hey, did you know we're on YouTube? You can look at our faces right now. You can see yeah. us. And see us stare at each other and stare at ourselves yeah. in the video. And it's awesome. Every Sunday when we post our regular episodes, you will also get a video version of the same thing on yeah. YouTube. Like, comment, review, all those things down in the comments will uh, respond. <laughs> We're professional YouTubers, of course. Can't you tell? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Okay, bye. See you there. <laughs> bye. See you in a second. <laughs> How's it going? That's good. I can't believe. I don't know. I feel like we still are getting used to the video recording, but I know we still have the the nervous giggles. Yeah, it's awkward. Yeah, I'm like because I feel like I'm staring into your soul because I'm nervous that I'm gonna like look back and look at myself in the camera, and then it's awkward. This is my biggest fear of looking in people's eyes because I think they can see into my soul, and that's oh, I thought you were gonna say because you feel like you don't. You don't break eye contact as much as you should. Well, I'm not saying that you do. I thought that's what, what your fear was going to be. Because <laughs> I feel like sometimes I think that where I'm like, oh, my God, I, I'm realizing that I've just been staring at this person as they've been talking. But yeah, no, if someone saw into your soul, Sabrina, that'd be good because you're that means that they see you and but you're I'm, alive and you're I'm, not invisible. That's true. That's true. But it does make me feel vulnerable. I have shifty eyes. Like I also get nervous. Yeah. Oh, hello, cat in the way. <laughs> Excuse me. There goes your light. She truly just stole my light. Can you? Hello. She's like, this spotlight is mine. Oh, come here, little chunky. We good. You little chunky. A big chunky. Actually, so there's a pet psychic. Wait, hold on. This is two girls, one ghost. Oh my gosh. Two girls, one ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne in the green shirt. I am Sabrina in the, I don't know, what would I call this? Purple. Purpley blue. And I've worn this every day for the last week. I wore it to my workout. I wore it home from my workout. And then I put it back on after I showered. And Nick called me out on it. Man, that's got to be very comfy. And it matches. I was going to say that – wait, did you say where your ghost – wait, you did. What? Did you say where ghost – Yeah, yeah. I did that. Never mind. My brain. Here we are. This is why I have coffee this time. (gasps) Me too. What I was going to say before I didn't want to miss our intro – was that there's a pet psychic. There's actually a few pet psychics on TikTok that I've started to get targeted. They're like on my For You page. And one of them was saying how animals, they really do understand. Well, we know that they understand. (laughs) But like when you say – like when I say like, oh, big chunky lay, I like started to stop myself because I'm like, oh, my gosh. There were some moments, some sessions where these these pet psychics had readings with pets that were like, I don't like my nickname. I don't like being called Big Al because it makes me feel like self-conscious about my size (laughs) and stuff like that. And so now I'm like, oh, my God. I'm thinking about all the times I used to call my dog Stinky and (laughs) make me feel bad. But it's endearing. And to be yeah, fair, it's supposed to be sweet. Leia is chonky. So kind of like, girl, it's the reality. Yeah. There was another pet psychic that I had watched and they were they were reviewing some of the funny things that they'd heard in their sessions that week. Mm-hmm. And they had three examples from cats and they were all really like pensive, <laughs> inquisitive, like really, really extremely thoughtful, like just very like woo-woo universe, kind of like our podcast. Yeah. but. But maybe but cats. <laughs> maybe with some more like purpose. <laughs> yes, but with cats. 
And then the one with the dog was something so stupid. It was like, like sometimes when I wag my tail, I think it's someone else. <laughs> it's like like the most like night and day versions of dogs and cats. I have to. I should have sent it to you. Wait, I love. But you that. were in Cabo. You were partying. Oh my so god! Like I can't. Yeah. Spam you with TikTok. Wow, I love that. I I also just. I would be so curious to know what Leia's thinking because I don't think there's much in there. And I don't mean that in a mean way. <laughs> but I just mean that in a – she's not the smartest cat I've had. You – I don't remember where or when it was. But in the past, like, two weeks, you posted a picture of Leia and she was so small. And I feel like she'd already been a few years old. What do you do mean? Do cats get lengthwise that much longer? Oh, like an old photo. I swear there was a picture recently. Oh, from – Yeah. It was yeah. from when we – the very first time we recorded. Oh, mm-hmm. so it was like five years my ago. My God, my memory is so bad. I oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah. How old was she? Two, three? No, that was five years ago. So she was like four or five. She's almost ten. So she's really expanded in her yeah. later later years. I think like lengthwise. I feel like she's literally just a larger. She cat. She is like a larger cat. Has just increased in size. She is a larger cat. She had like a delayed growth spurt. Yeah, uh, she's a larger cat, but she is overweight. <laughs> Let's not give her too many excuses. Well, but also to be fair, like we've like lived in small apartments. Now we've been taking her out for little like hangouts in our backyard and she'll chase the squirrels and like watch the birds and roll around in the grass. And that's so cute. it is nice. And she really likes it. And we just like sit out there and she'll like sunbathe and I sunbathe and get my vitamin D for the day. And then I go back inside into my dark abyss. So do you have to put her on a leash then? Or No, we have a bunch of – it's all fenced just off. just kind of hang. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I'd be I'd be scared that she would run off because I'm, I'm thinking of the few times we've recorded where Leia did get out in your courtyard <laughs> in when place. you were in your last apartment. Yeah. And it was like, sorry, got to go. Yeah. Like, we'll call you back in 45 <laughs> minutes when we finally relocate her. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> coax her back in. I think. Well, so okay, it's funny because I, I was like, okay, to make sure she never runs away. Which, granted, like the fences are really high, and I mean, cats can jump, of course, but like, I think she'd be a little scared to do it. But just to prevent that, I started training her that every time we go inside, she gets canned food. So now, but now oh. she doesn't want to spend as much time outside because she thinks canned food. And so she'll like start like I'll, I won't even be ready. Like we'll be out there for five minutes. I'm not ready to come inside, and she just starts running up the stairs to go back inside. And I'm like, girl, she's like, okay, one foot out, one foot yeah. back in. Canned food. Time. I think canned food is her oh priority. Like I don't know. She is smart. She is. Uh, you were saying not much is going in on inside her mind, but she's <gasps> what. Sorry, I almost dropped – I no, I almost dropped everything in my hands, which was like I almost went pew and then put it down oh. to the ground. I'm fine. We're good. The coffee and iPad almost fell. That would have been – We're good. It's better than the dirt, the dirt experience you had. Oh, when my plant fell, this yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned something very interesting over Memorial Day weekend you at learn? my apartment. Well, okay. So, it, so there's this guy who lives in my building named Jake, and I've seen him around quite a few times. Um, I sort of like met him in passing in the elevator and then maybe like two months ago and he's he's in a wheelchair. And then two months ago, the elevator opened and he was with a walker and I was like, hey, how's it going? And he was like, oh, um, not great because <laughs> he had been walking for the first time and his friend, the elevator door is shut and he was like abandoned in the elevator. And in our building, you have to have a key fob and you like literally have to have special permission to go to like whatever floor no. you're trying to go. So he was kind of like just riding the elevator. Oh no. So I helped him I helped him get out of the elevator and like to the door he to the apartment he was supposed to be going to. 
but I saw him this past weekend and I was like, hey, Jake, do you remember me? And he was like, oh my God, yeah. And we got to talking and he is on a podcast. He should actually have his own podcast. But you know how we really love Snapped? Yeah. Or sorry. Spooked? How we, well, yeah, Spooked. Yeah. Spooked. By Snap Judgment. By Snap Judgment. Yeah. Yes. So Snap Judgment, they have like a regular podcast Uh that I I guess I had prioritized all of the Spooked episodes. But it's called, let me tell you. I think it's called The Impossible Weight um, is the episode that he's on. It's recent. It was posted like maybe two months ago mm-hmm. or six weeks ago. And they came and flew here to our apartment building and interviewed Jake because he has the most incredible life story. I talked to him for like four whoa. hours two nights ago. I was like, whoa. There's just – yeah, he's so cool. But essentially what happened was – and everyone should listen to the episode so that you can like actually hear Jake's yeah. story from him. But he – was suffering from addiction and he was, I don't know like how you do heroin, but like he was doing it off of tinfoil and it was laced with something or or something essentially happened where his body started to attack the like white matter in his brain. So he basically lost all mobility (gasps) and speech and was in a coma and everything showed him being brain dead. So they literally thought he was brain dead and they were like talks, conversations of pulling the plug. And he was inside his mind the whole time being like, oh, my God, he was locked in. He was like, I have to get out of here. Like, they don't know. They're going to pull the plug. Like, I'm here. I'm here. I can hear you. Terrifying. But he couldn't do anything. Oh, my god. Yeah. So it's his story about like recognizing and realizing what he could do to like manipulate the monitors in the – with his like heart rate and stuff to like try to send messages. I know. I have so many chills. Wait. How long was he in – a coma. I think it was just under a year. I think it was eight months, eight or nine months. Could you imagine nine months of being yeah. trapped inside your head trying to make people understand that you're not brain dead? I know. And he was saying that he had thoughts when he was in there in the like facility being like, how many other people are are also next to me who are brain dead and are talking to themselves and like trying to keep themselves oh sane right gosh. now? Oh my gosh. What? Yeah, it is incredible. He's the the condition he has is extremely, extremely rare, like what he went through. And I believe he's the only person to ever survive it as well. So he's like working on a ton of stuff himself. I think he's like book, That's movie, so I don't know, inspiring. all of these different things, apps. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my it gosh. Is, I was mind blown. So I was just like, oh, hey, like, how's it going? And then sat down and started talking to him. And just the most incredible story. And it's on, so it's Snap Judgment's podcast. Yeah. And then I believe it's called The Impossible Weight is the Oh my gosh, that's title. so incredible. I'll send it to yeah, you. Yeah, please do. I'll put it in the show notes here so everyone can hear his story. I'm also so proud of you for stopping and talking to a stranger. Like, I feel like this makes me want to talk to people and learn people's stories more. Like, I think that's so, it's, yeah. Like everyone has a story and I think it's just beautiful that you took the time to like get to know it. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of credit goes to him because yeah. I just went over to say hi and again, because I hadn't seen him for like the two months since he got lost, <laughs> abandoned in the elevator. But he was like, do you guys want to come like sit down with us? So he was he was the extrovert here <laughs> more than me. <laughs> I'm giving you credit though. That's that's awesome. It was just like, hi. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was just incredible. I can't stop thinking about it. Wow. It's a scary thing to go through. But Meanwhile, I was yeah, just so he's, drinking he's, tequila in Cabo, losing my own memories. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, your Cabo trip looked super fun. It was a blast. It was a lot of fun. It, yeah. Bachelorette. The yeah. So much good Mexico. Times. Good time. Did anyone get sick um, in Mexico? Because I, every time I've ever been, have gotten 
Montezuma's revenge. Yeah, there's a there's a group text going on right now where everyone is um, talking about Montezuma's revenge. Yes. Yep. (laughs) Yep. There's a lot of that going around right now. Great cleanse. (laughs) Very uncomfortable to experience. Very uncomfortable, and also like you just never know what's going to cause it. So not the most enjoyable. I know that's tough. It's hard to avoid. Yeah. I remember when we were in Cabo for spring break in college, I had it the last day that we were there, like the second time we went our senior year. And I remember in the in the airport, a few oh, other no. people talking about one of the movies that had been on and they were like, oh, yeah, I watched like last night I watched this movie and I was like, me too. So you had Montezuma's Revenge last night and they were like, yeah. And you could basically – you knew who got sick by – who all saw like the omen when it was oh on my at gosh. 3 a.m. in the morning. That's so funny. <laughs> wow. At least it was the last day, yeah. not like day one, because that's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <sighs> okay. This is a fun topic. I think we say this every time we record, but I do mean it. I just get excited. It's all fun. It's all fun. Ghost stories are fun. Yeah. So. Duh. <laughs> Duh. That's why you're, <laughs> you're here. here. For that reason, it's fun. It's very fun. And this topic was actually picked by our Patreon donor. Was it Megan? Mm, great question. I can't remember. I didn't write it down. Whoops. Let me look. Let me yeah, – okay. Yeah, if you're looking. Let's get this right. Let's get this Let's right. Let's give them credit where credit is due. Yeah. Um, I was right. Good job, Sabrina. Thank you. Megan. Excellent Thank you, Megan. So Megan picked vengeful or revenge-seeking ghosts. Mm. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Which there are Which a lot of. It's really interesting. Yeah. And it, it kind of got my wheels turning because I was like, there are so many, so many examples that we read in people's stories that they send in. Yeah. Where you like you could say that that spirit is seeking revenge, like people who alter the interior of their apartment and then suddenly it's hauntings galore. Yeah. Or like sleep paralysis. Like sleep paralysis could be some sort of like vengeful ghost right. seeking to torment yeah. everybody who lives in their room. Yeah. And also just like if you think about the idea of the afterlife, a lot of people say like if a spirit sticks around for a long time, it might be because they have unfinished business. And like oftentimes mm-hmm. that kind of falls in the revenge, vengeful category. And then there's so many like legends and stories of ghosts who, you know, like I feel like a lot of ladies in white are stories of revenge in some way. Yeah. Ma Yorona. Yeah. There's just, yeah, there's so many where it's like, well, it's kind of sad because there's a lot where you would assume people could move mm-hmm. on, but then there's like a piece of someone's soul or their spirit that that doesn't understand what's happened to them. And so it feels like they're seeking revenge on what happened to them yeah. because they're haunting everybody or, or you know, drowning other yeah. children or what have you. But it's it reminds me almost, or it makes me think of Bell Witch. Oh, I was like, yes. what is it called? We've literally been there. Where it's like the spirit that is seeking revenge isn't necessarily the spirit of that, the spited neighbor. Right. But a portion of her spirit that chipped off as she moved on to the afterlife and has since manifested into this like yeah. scary creature. Kind of like shadow people too, because- I think when we mm-hmm. did research on them a long time ago, it was like this belief that perhaps, you know, m- most people are made up of like, we're good, but there's a dark side of everyone as well. And I, there's this idea of when you pass on the dark side of you sticks behind and becomes a shadow person. So it is this like weird morphed version of your soul that's 
now doing negative, scary things. Like also, okay, the creeper at Waverly Hills, for example, we have no idea what the creeper is, but it's a possibility that at one point the creeper was a human and then in the afterlife morphed into this like negative thing. And and I feel like just if you yeah. if you feed into that negative energy and get so caught up in what evil or revenge or vengeful, I don't know, pathos you have, like, do you turn into something much, much darker? This is making me think of Stranger Things with Billy sort of turning into yeah. this monster, which I haven't seen the, oh, the newest season I was yet. just going to ask. I started – Nick and I started it. No. We're on – we watched episode three last night. I'm a huge fan of it. Really? Okay. I mean, I'm a fan of all of it. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to watch, but I want to. I want to watch when I can sit down and watch the whole thing <sighs> in one day because I'm. Ugh. I know that whatever responsibilities I have in life, I'll put off to continue watching it. So I have to. It's scheduled for this weekend. <laughs> I love it. I'm pretty sure <laughs> when season one came out, I was house sitting because I was an assistant at the time, and I was house sitting my boss's place, and I just spent the entire day watching it. Oh, like really? the day it came That's out. That's so nice. So I was like, right house sitting on it. is underrated. I feel like house sitting is a good job to have. Yeah, unless it's, it's a haunted house. Unless it's a haunted house. Yeah. Which I don't know what you chose, but are you, I believe you're first. I am right? first. I am first, and I want to first set the scene for you, Corinne. Before I tell you anything about my ghost, the name, or anything, I'm just gonna set the scene for all of you who are listening. Okay. Close your eyes. Picture this. It's a beautiful summer day. Hot humid and your friends call you up and say hey buddy let's go get some drinks and you're like hell yeah let's go out and so you do you guys hit the bars you rip some shots drink after drink and next thing you know you're stumbling home alone in the dark but this is not the first time you've ended up doing this because you enjoy drinking maybe to a fault and that beautiful sunny day has disappeared and now a summer storm is rolling in thunder booms in the distance Rain soaks your clothes and lightning flashes up ahead. You're disoriented, alone. And then you hear an ominous whistle somewhere behind you. It's both eerily distant and also right in your ear. You spin around, chills running up and down your spine, and the whistling stops momentarily. And then you try to continue home, but moments later, the whistling starts again. It's right in your ear, and then it's really far away. This time you turn and you see a figure sitting in the trees. You squint, trying to figure out if what you're seeing is really there. Maybe it's just the shots you had, but no, it's there and the whistling is continuing. And the next thing you know, a hauntingly tall man creature is sucking your blood and alcohol from your body until you drop dead and limp Uh. on the ground before him. You won't even have a minute to think. It'll happen so quickly. And you won't even know that El Silbon killed you. El Silbon? El Silbon. I need need the smelling of that. (laughs) But holy shit, is this like a vampire? Um, no. Uh, he does suck your. It it is said that he will suck the blood of his victims. But I, I guess kinda because if when we talk about the legend and where the story comes from, there is some cannibalistic themes going on. Mm, mm. Okay. So El Silbon, which is E L like L the Silbon S I L B O with one of the what's it called accents? Yes, yes, and then N. El Silbon. The swipe. <laughs> the swipe. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> dumb. Sorry. Okay. Collectively. Well, we, we have that one bad review that we were dying laughing at that said two girls and one brain cell. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go proving them right. 
<sighs> I just got like sweaty from being dumb. Makes me nervous. <laughs> You're fine. Okay. You're fine. Moving on from dumbness. Okay. So L. C. Bon, this is the legend of him. And while he seems terrifying, he is an entity who hates womanizers and drunks. So if you're not either of those, you're good. Or, well, actually, there are some innocents who do end up, if you're in the path, um, there's nothing you can do. So, okay, yes. It's a, it's a scary story, and it's actually, yeah. Well, I'll tell you in a second. Okay. So Elsie Bon translates to the whistler, aptly named, since he makes his presence known by whistling and disorienting his potential victims. The legend of El Bon hails from the Los Llanos, regions of Colombia and Venezuela. He is believed to be a lost soul who was given into a deep desire for revenge and vengeance, and in doing so, has morphed into something more monstrous and out for blood. But he was once human, flesh and blood like you and I, like all of you listening. He had a life, and something horrible happened to him to lead him becoming Elsie Bon in the afterlife. So this is a legend, so I must preface that this story has various types of backgrounds to the story. Like there's different versions of the story that are told and depending on the regions that it's talked about. But this legend remains very active and a very terrifying part of the culture. Many of the sources that I used to research this topic were written by locals in Colombia and Venezuela and have heard of the legends themselves. And then I also watched a video with the local film, film director Juan Fernandez who worked on a show all about the myths and legends in this area. So the legend of El Sibon comes from the southern central West Plains, where folkloric music come from, comes from, in like magic lands full of myths, legends, and beliefs. And some say the whistle man, whose name in Venezuelan Spanish is El Sibon, comes from a small town called Juanarito, while others say that he was born in another town called El Viajo, both of which are located in Portuguese, and that he appeared around the mid-19th century. But there's no real certainty about his real origin. Juan Fernandez said, based on local legend, there is some belief that the legend of El Sibon is based on a man named Joaquin Flores, who committed a similar crime, which I will about, I'm about to tell you about El Sibon, around 1850, and that it was such a shocking event that occurred in the area that the people likely spun the tale into this legend of El Sibon to help prevent mm -hmm. anything like this from happening again. There are a ton of varieties of this type of story, like where the legend comes from and what the actual background is. But there are three that are more popular, so I'm going to share those three. The first says that the whistle man was a boy who killed and gutted his father after his father raped and killed his girlfriend because the father thought she was promiscuous. So out of revenge and wanting to seek justice, oh. the son killed his father. But his grandfather... Good caught him and tied him up to a tree and then whipped his back until he was bleeding horribly. Jeez, yeah. this family. It's, it's <laughs> gruesome. Ooh. His grandfather supposedly then cleaned his opened wounds with boiling water and chili pepper as for further punishment <sighs> for killing his father. And it was his grandfather's son. The grandfather then unleashed a hungry dog called Tuerco on him and the dog bit his ankles until they were too bloody. According to the legend... The boy then ran off into the woods being chased by this dog, and the grandfather cursed him to carry a bag of his father's bones 
and that today, if you see El Silbon, he is carrying that bag of bones and is followed by the dog who is cursed to be butting him at his ankles eternally. So that's the first version. And it also gives me the heebie jeebies. <laughs> yes. And, and when we move into the other version, so this is the only version of the story that to me really makes sense in terms of like vengeance and revenge because mm-hmm. he absolutely, like, if his father did that to his girlfriend or his wife or whoever it was, I I don't blame him for wanting revenge and wanting to hurt his father. Not that violence is ever the answer, but right. it's an awful... It's just, I can't get past like the unleashing of the dog too after inflicting that much torture. Oh, yeah. It's rem- it's giving very like Hannibal Lecter, the, the pit of pigs, the hogs. Oh, gosh. That's it's going to give you even more of that in a second because the second Great. version of this legend says that the whistle man was a very greedy little boy who wanted everything and had everything and was spoiled rotten like Veruca Salt in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. Daddy, I want it now. <laughs> that was a bad impression, but I'm not here for impressions. Okay, so one day <laughs> the boy was really hungry and apparently he wanted deer meat. And his father went out hunting, but came back empty-handed, and the boy got mad. So what did the boy do? He killed his father. And then he gutted his father and then cooked his organs and fed them to his family Uh, for dinner. uh, uh, uh. (laughs) No, 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 no. No. Yeah. This is disturbing. Very disturbing. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And and it's – there had to have been warning signs. That it, you don't just snap like that. I mean, I know this is a legend, but I'm like, didn't the family know? Well, that this kid was wild. Okay, that's and not really with it. Really interesting that you bring that up because you know how a lot of you know, like biblical stories and a lot of old timey tales have like a message or a lesson that you're supposed to learn from it. This there's the third version of this story very much relates to the, what you're saying. Okay, so. In all three versions of the story, the legend kind of ends in the same way. So it's just the beginning and the reason of why he killed his father is different. But it always ends with the grandfather and the mother finding out and then tying him up to a tree, whipping him, cleaning his wounds with boiling water and chili pepper and sending the dog, unleashing the dog on him, cursing him to carry the bones of his father in a bag. So that always remains the same. But the third and final of the more popular versions of the legend says – that this boy was very temperamental, who also had everything he wanted. And one day he went hunting with his father, but while they were walking, a twisted tree stepped in their way. The boy looked to his father and asked his father to straighten the tree out. But the father looked at his son and said, a twisted tree never straightens. You know that. Which is, this goes to what we were just talking about, because a twisted tree never straightens is like a symbol symbolizing the fact that a bad person can never straighten out, can never change. Mm -hmm. And in the end will always be the same. Although, you know, we like to believe that people can change. There is this idea of, like, can you actually ever change someone? And if they're a bad person, will they always be a bad person? So the boy in this version of the story looks at his father in response and says, if you always knew it, why did you let me grow the way that I am like a twisted tree? Now I will never be able to change the way that I am, and it's your fault. And then the boy killed his father and brought his organs home and gave them to his mother to cook for dinner. And then as the story in the other three or in all three versions goes, he is tied up, whipped, 
boiling water and chili pepper in his wounds, dog unleashed on him, cursed to forever carry the bag of bones of his father and be chased by this dog. I mean, wouldn't you ask the question, where did you get this bag of organs? Why did you bring this bag (laughs) of organs home? And if you had access to a body, why did you choose only the organs and not the meat? Because if he was like, oh, it was a deer, it was like, well, why did you just bring – why wouldn't you bring the venison, the like meat bag? Yes. I – I would have a lot of questions if someone came with a bag of organs. <laughs> so I think the I think that there were a lot of questions. In the sec so in the second version of the story, he cooked the meal and presented it to, to the family. And based on taste, apparently, I think the mother was like, this is not an animal. And then in the third version of the story, he brings back the organs to his mother to cook, and she immediately was like, What is this? Like, this is not. Yeah. Yeah. Disturbing. Very disturbing. Very disturbing. And if it is based on a true crime that happened, that's also even scarier. And I'm curious how closely connected they are. Well, I mean, black black market organ dealing is is a serious thing. So maybe I wonder if that sort of influenced this as well, if like people go missing. Yeah. And maybe there is some sort of like organ trade right. happening in this region or whatever. And so people – People maybe spun this tale to include sort of like the removal of the organs. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I, I have no idea. I'm curious. I, I also feel like the idea of someone eating another person is also just like horrific and scary. And if you want to make this, yeah, this lore even scarier or more frightening, you kind of amplify the story in that way. I don't know. Right. But as the story goes, this boy ran off into the woods and finally died and went on to become a lost soul, a spirit with unfinished business and a lot of anger in his soul. And over time, this anger within him caused him to morph into something inhuman. And of course, with time and the retelling of the story over and over, there is some concern that his appearance has been dramatized. But most agree that Elsie Bond now appears as an emaciated, nearly 10 feet tall, which is three meters, boy with abnormally long legs who is seen during dry season at the top of the trees collecting dust and during rainy season around the month of May. So I think May and June are the more popular times of the year to see El Silbon, but that does not limit him. He is, he is present kind of all the time. Some have reported seeing him wearing a tattered white suit, a wide brim hat, and shoes that are close to falling apart. It is said he is thirsting for vengeance and hunting drunk men or womanizers, hitting them with a stick until he kills them, sucking their blood and the alcohol out of their bodies from their belly buttons, and then ripping their Ah, organs. That's the worst part (laughs) of all of this. (laughs) Just pop the straw right in. Let's go, baby. Belly button juice. It's funny. I was watching a video and it was like, suck the blood from the hole in your belly. And I was like... Do you mean belly buttons? I've never heard your belly button. <laughs> a hole in your belly. I was like, oh, that's such a weird, disturbing way to think of it. Ugh. And belly buttons it already is. freak me it out. Is. Like mine is so deep that mine's really deep I, too. It has no like, end. I, I don't think I've ever seen yeah. the end. <laughs> <laughs> like some people, you can see the button, like where yeah. it like zips up. But not us. If I go to the beach, sand will be in there forever. I mean, there's probably sand in there from when I was like a baby at the beach. Do you ever, 
yes, stick like a Q-tip but in it, your belly button. It, it gives me like uncomfortable chills. Like it really, it feels it weird. Feels so weird. It feels oh. like you're scratching your oh. insides, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, oh, that's so like it vibrates. Like <laughs> your skin. Thinking it, about there's it. like an internal yeah. vibration that like shoots out from each angle. You know, yeah. I know exactly so what you're talking about. Oh my god! I hate it too. You have to go really fast when you do it. Like I feel like if there's a portal to anywhere in the world, it's probably in my belly button. <laughs> it goes that deep. That's that's the next children's book. It's a Horton hears a who, but you pass through the belly button. <laughs> what lives within? Oh my gosh! Do you pass through your own oh. belly button, or other people come into your belly button? Like, do you have to like poke like? Do you come to me and poke inside my belly button and that transports you? Transports you? Oh, maybe. I was almost picturing it where it's like you poke the belly button and then it shrinks you down into this tiny, tiny little human. And then you have to like walk and traverse through all of the like sand and, and, and lint, sand, belly button and lint. dirt and debris. And then – but you have to follow the light that's at the end of the belly button and then you you go through it and you're in a whole new dimension. It's like Magic School Bus. You, you live at the dark side of the moon. Oh, my god! That's gosh. where you are. Yeah, Magic School Bus. Yes. Mm. Ugh. I just got uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, please let us know if you also experience this belly button sensation when cleaning yes. out your, yes. your belly hole or whatever they called it. Your belly hole. Yes. Okay. So L-Suban will drink the blood and the alcohol that's in your system out of your belly button. And then through the same hole that they, the entity sucked your blood and alcohol out of you, will pull out all your organs and then eat them, of course, because what else do you do with mm-hmm. human organs? Like I s- said in the scene setting that I did in the beginning, the sign of L-Suban is his whistling. And he whistles seven musical notes. And I tried so hard. One, I wish I could whistle. I can't. Or I can't like with musical notes. And I tried so hard to Google video or like find a YouTube clip or something of this tune. And I just couldn't. So Mm. Aiden or Eric or anyone on our editing team, if you guys can whistle, please feel free to add this in there. Okay. The tune is A, B, C, D, E, F. G, hello, alphabet, and then followed by A, B, C, D, and E, F, G, A. So that's just the tune. I don't know much about music, so. The whistling. Me neither. So this is actually really interesting. The whistling that Elsie Bond is able to do, he varies in terms of distance, but it is said that if you hear the whistling really far away, it actually means he's like right here in your ear. Oh, it tricks you. Mm-hmm. But if you hear it close. I'm like, what do I do with my hands? It freaks me out. <laughs> like, uh, touch your belly button, escape. <laughs> that's what I'm going to start. That's going to be my self-soothing thing. I'm just. <sighs> Even though it's like the most, <laughs> the least soothing thing in the world. <laughs> okay. Distract yourself. Distract yourself. And then if it's if it's really close to you, it said that he's actually much further and you should be safer. So this mm-hmm. is how he got his name because Elsie Bond translates to the whistler. It said he likes to tear womanizers limb from limb and add their bones to his sack. And it said that if Elsie Bond takes your bones, you will not actually be able to rest in the afterlife. So, I mean, you don't want to encounter encounter him whatsoever, but you specifically don't want him to take your bones. During heavy rainy nights, the whistle man sometimes walks away from the roads and visits the houses of people to wait under the roof of the front yard of a house for the rain to stop. And he will take his bag while he's waiting for the rain to stop. He will open his bag and count the bones of his victims one by one. 
If any member of the house hears the sound of the bones clacking while he's counting them, nothing happens. But if no one hears the sound, the next morning, one member of the family will never wake up. Which is so unfair. This is, it's the most unfair game. Yeah. He sounds far away from you, which means you're safe, but actually that means he's close, which is, and then if you don't hear the noise, you're not safe? Yeah. This, it makes, this is a stupid game I don't want to play. <laughs> I'm not here. I don't want to play. Well, okay. So this is, <laughs> this isn't fun anymore. The, there is, they do say that there are ways to escape him. It's very rare that you can escape him, but if you ever encounter the whisperer, it's worth a try. So they say the only way to escape alive from Elsie Bon is to say out loud the name of the dog, Tureko, and or make the sound of a dog barking, snap a whip, or carry chili peppers with you and have them ready to show to him when you encounter him. Or if you have a dog with you, apparently you'll also be safe because as we heard in the legend, Elsie Bon was attacked by a dog after everything. So he apparently does the not chili like peppers them. is a weird detail because you would think that that would be a threatening move because he was in turn tortured with chili peppers, right? In his yeah. wound, boiling water and Yeah. I do think chili it's, peppers. All of these things are supposed to remind him of what happened to him in his human life, so it scares him away. Oh, okay. Okay. So you're like, now I will do this to you. Exactly. I have my chili peppers, so don't attack yeah, me. Yeah. Got exactly. it. And I do carry hot sauce with me like everywhere, so I feel safe. Do you have one of those like little Tabasco <gasps> key No, but I things? should get one. Those things are cool. Yeah. Wait, the saddest thing happened. I have – I think I've probably even brought it on trips when I've seen you. There is a hot sauce that used to be sold at Trader Joe's. And it was just jalapeno. It literally just said jalapeno on the bottle. And it was a little jar like this. And it was red, a red hot sauce. It was Mm -hmm. the best hot sauce in the world, like hands down. (laughs) And I have tried a lot of hot sauces. And I would go to Trader Joe's and stock up. Like I would buy like eight at a time because I would go through one a week. And like they they even – How big were these things? I mean like – this tall. Sabrina. I ate my meal, like my, I ate my hot sauce with a little bit of food. Like my hot sauce wasn't the topping. It was basically the meal. Holy crap. Anyway, they even knew me at Trader Joe's when I would check out. They're like, didn't you like, oh, you're restocking again. Like uh, it's you again. They discontinued it. What the? And I'm out. Did you, did you email them? Oh, I put a really, so you can do a thing on Trader Joe's where it's like, you can submit a request to bring something back. And I, Nick is walking by laughing at me for talking about this. This is important. It is. I'm sure other people feel the same way. It is. I, I have a screenshot. I will post it on our on our social media. I posted this whole thing about how I am uh, all my happiness in my life has dissipated because the hot sauce is gone. And <laughs> and now my life is without flavor and I won't be able to continue <laughs> on unless they bring it back. Oh, so sad. You just have to live your little vanilla life without your hot sauce. And wait, when was this though? This is like a month ago. Oh, Sabrina, you should have told me. I could have. What if I, I, I will still try. I'll look okay. this weekend. I'm going to be near a Trader Joe's. I wonder if perhaps the, the hot sauce moves slower in New England, California. I feel like it flies off the shelf. Yeah. But if I can find it, I will. Will you please let me know? To you. Yes. I, I truly. Did they ever respond to you? No, because it's one of those things where you, that you can't put your email or anything in it. You just have to. Oh, yeah. So I was very sad. <sighs> anyway, Damn, if anyone knows where to find this hot sauce, let me know. Like I truly 
yeah, I'm, I'm, my life has changed without it. That's all I will say. Okay. But to wrap this up, Elsie Bon is one of the most respected and feared spirits. And many people in Colombia and Venezuela do not like to say his name during the night because out of fear that he will hear them speak about him and he will appear. There is a Venezuelan poet and writer from, uh, his name is Damaso Delgado. And he was the first one to write the story of the whistle man. And he wrote it down in 1966 and recorded it in 1967 and broadcasted it all over the country by radio, which is how the legend became famous in Venezuela. But Delgado ensures that he actually saw and heard the specter once, but he could escape from the harm because he had a lot of barking dogs in the area with him when he encountered mm. him. This is a picture of what he supposedly looks like. Oh. But can you imagine? He's 10 feet tall. Right, just the the fact that his legs are so long, so long and skinny, and then he's just a little he's a little boy basically on stilts. Yeah, yeah, and like he jumps around the tops of trees, and the whistling is so unsettling. And kids, and just to have the energy of a child too, in yeah, like spirit form, yeah, or creature, whatever he is. Very creepy. And it's kind of like, you know, when we were growing up, we heard the legend of Bloody Mary. And while we were Mm -hmm. scared of it, it was a fun thing to do at sleepovers. And apparently in these areas where Elsie Bond's legend is really popular, kids kind of will poke fun and make fun of Elsie Bond and be like, oh, he's not real, whatever. But if you actually ask them, they're all terrified of this legend and of seeing him. It's the same way. We are, t- we are still are terrified of seeing Bloody Mary in the mirror, you know? Right. Yeah, I wonder if that's one of the things where people do truth or dare at their sleepovers and make people go outside, like go to the ed- edge of the yard and say his name. Ugh, Fuck scary. No. What'd you, what happened? It was just a, no- no. a neighbor just went into there into their apartment, but the, the noise <laughs> freaked me out so bad because I'm nervous about this. One time we should record Woo! at night. Mm. We used to all the time. I know. But just imagine like it's our spooky – like set the lights low. Maybe just have a candles. candles. Only candles. Oh, <gasps> these things. Yeah, When these things are going, I freaking love tapered candles. Me They're, too. They are the mood. We should do that. One night. We'll do a special. That would be actually fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A special spooky one. Yeah. All The whole month of October, all of those episodes Ooh. should just be by candlelight. Fun. Okay. We record at midnight every every time we record in October. That midnight three a.m. for you? No, no. (laughs) I was gonna say hell no. And even if we did midnight my time, that's not. I mean, it's nine p.m. your time, so you're just like normal, normal day. You're just like not sleeping for a month. I'm not doing three. (laughs) If you want to do like one, I'll do four. (laughs) You would do four? Okay, let's do it. (laughs) Maybe. Wake up. Just maybe that's like just going one. to the airport. Just for one of them. Okay. Well, we'll say. I don't do well. If you think I have trouble speaking now, wait until <laughs> I wake up at 4 a.m. I think God. I would just stay I'm up. best at 10 a.m., but we never record at that at that time. So I never sound good. See, I'm better in the, the only evenings. time I can truly function. Hmm. If only we could swap our time zones. Time zones. So then you could be later and I could be a little earlier. Yeah. Oh, wow. Let's Freaky Friday and just switch places real quick. Ooh, belly buttons. Maybe Friday. that's what happens. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that would be so fun. <laughs> I wish upon a star. Oh, I could have seen so many stars. Well, I guess are meteors stars? Is that a stupid question? No, no they're rock. They're rock. They're rock. 
But last debris, night, space debris. I missed a whole meteor shower, and I could have wished a thousand times for our belly button Freaky Friday moment. Ugh. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. But I wonder if you've – okay. In the, I, I like how I was asking this as if it's a real thing that happens <laughs> <laughs> rather than something we just are totally making up. But if we have to like press each other's belly buttons to switch places. Bing, bing. I like, I like how my light is right here. So it really does make it look like your belly button has the white light to like glow. It's, it's wow. bringing me in. <laughs> You're transporting. Huh? Yeah. Beaming me up. Oh, this is my favorite part when it's your turn and I just get to When listen. you get to sit. Yeah. Sit back and relax. Story time. Story time. Okay. You did – I'm glad that – I feel like we're in sync again. As always. Because you did a very like urban urban legend yeah. and so did I. Ooh. So for this one, we are going to talk about Madame Koi Koi from Nigeria. Ooh. She was a boarding school teacher at a secondary school and she would arrive to school each day dressed perfectly. So it was a boarding school. So for the most part, most of the students lived on site, but there were a few commuters. And then obviously the majority of the teachers did not live on school mm-hmm. property either. So she didn't. So she would commute in and she would come in every single day extremely stylish. Her hair was neat. Everything was in place. And she preferred a pair of red heels for her days spent at school. Whoa. Her regular ensemble only complimented her beauty. Everyone was like, oh my God, this lady, she was so beautiful, gorgeous, super. I mean, she sounds like she's got it going Yeah, on. she's so put together. Like I can hardly put myself together for you, for all of you. <laughs> right. And she, I mean, she's doing school in heels. Yeah. She's standing. Yeah. And walking the halls and this lady's wearing red heels every day. No, I'd be sneakers all oh, day. all day. I'd be temper, temperpedic. <laughs> Crocs. So each day, <laughs> Crocs, literally, oh. I'm a big that fan. That does sound good. Been converted. I need to buy a new pair. I haven't worn them since high school because it got bullied out of me in college. Aww. So. A lot of the things I wore in college are now cool. Cool like again. Yeah. And yeah. Everyone's like, you stupid Vermonter. <laughs> this is Southern California. And I'm like, oh, no. Sorry, I'll throw them out. Okay. <laughs> so each day the kids would shuffle down the halls as this woman, this teacher, walked around with purpose. The sound of her heels making the sound quick, 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 Oh. With every step. Oh, I just got chills. So that earned her the name Madame Koi Koi. So it could be assumed that this woman, described as the most beautiful, perfect person like I attempted to describe her as, might be the children's favorite, the best teacher. But for the kids, the clicking of her heels did not mean that their favorite teacher was coming. Instead, it gave warning of her presence for the kids to scatter and run from her. Oh, no. She was a very stern, very angry, very abusive oh, teacher. No. Madame Koi Koi was not there to teach, but rather to have access to all of the students who she would slap, she would <gasps> flog, she would what? beat up it's Ms. whenever she pleased. Seriously. She was – yeah, everyone's like she was a sadist. She was a torturer. She basically worked there as a teacher so that she could have access to students to just beat to them hurt up. them. Oh, my gosh. Yes. What? Let's remember that this is an urban legend, so let's hope that she doesn't yeah, actually exist yeah, in yeah. real life. But there probably but are the, the picture people like that, which is scary. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, think about all the things that we yes. know that exist. And have, yeah. yeah. I mean, this person does exist, but let's just hope that Madame Koi Koi in this, this example yeah. didn't. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we're on the same So page. for the most part, she got away with it. The school didn't really do anything. She would just say that essentially it's a form of reprimand. And nothing more. 
But one day, the nasty Madame Koi Koi took it a little too far. She slapped a student, and this girl who was slapped, her ear became injured. So there was now evidence of Madame Koi Koi's abuse that the student could then leave with and show people her her injury. So the school's like, oh, okay, I guess we have to step in and do something because this is this is bad. Yeah. The student is is able to go home injured. So the school fired Madame Koi Koi, like they should have a long time ago. Right. And on her way home, as she raged about losing her job for the stupidest reason, what she thought was stupid, because she was a really great teacher and the students would be out of hand if she didn't reprimand them and give them proper punishment. So there's no really good reason in her mind for her to have lost her job. This is ridiculous. Delusional. So she is so angry, so angry. If only she could get back at them somehow. If only oh, no. she could do something that would humiliate all of them just as much as they humiliated her. And then a car accident. She never made it all the way home. And the students, they wake up the next day and make their way from their dormitories to the school area. And the air feels a little bit lighter. There's no sign of Madame Koi Koi. Their abuser is gone. There's no clicking of their heels There's no beatings in the hallways, nothing. So they feel like they're safe. The monster is now outside. I'm nervous. But what the kids did not know was that she had passed and her spirit was making its way to enact revenge. Mm -mm. They went just days with peace before the sound returned. The koi, 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 koi. It reverberated down the hallways of the dorms at night. The lights out, kids in their beds. And Madame Koi Koi's spirit wandered the dark halls for anyone curious or maybe a little bit desperate enough to meet her in the hallway. Oh, my gosh. That makes me so sad. Like, they finally had relief and then, ugh, she came back. And then she finds her way back. Right. Terrifying. And, I mean, I'm glad at least that that in this legend that she is wearing heels because – You hear heels from far away. So I feel like at least there's a little bit – like you have a chance to get away or to move yourself. But when you're in a dorm, it's not like you're at home. Like you have your assigned room. What are you supposed to do? Go out into the hallway when you hear the clicking heels go by and like run to your your friend's room? No. I'm sure it's terrifying. Terrifying to experience that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now in that version of this urban legend, that's how she continues to haunt. Basically, she she wanders around. Her shoes are the reminder of the terror that she inflicted when she was alive. And now she's torturing the students at night by walking down the halls, making noise, right. uh, and essentially taking away their sleep, making them sleep deprived. But there's also another version in Nigeria, one where she didn't die in an auto accident. One where the students themselves rose up and did something about her abuse. A group together found Madame Koi Koi as she was leaving the school and they moved as a unit cornering her. And this is where I'm going to give a little bit of a warning if people want to skip forward. What happens to her is she's beaten and I'm going to describe how she is. So yeah, fast forward a little bit. Okay. So one student shoved something in her mouth to muffle her screams so that she couldn't yell out. Oh, my gosh. And another student grabbed one of her red heels, those stupid red heels that they hated so much, and started hitting her with it. And then the other students joined in, and together they all beat her so badly that she had actually died, and they continued to beat her. Oh, my gosh. Because they didn't really realize that she had already passed. Oh, When they did realize what they had all done, they panicked. The students then threw her body over the back fence of the school grounds, and they ran away, praying that there were no witnesses, that they weren't about to go to jail. 
Jeez. But what happened to these kids was worse than jail. This group of kids continued to hear her after her death. They would hear koi, 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 koi every night in their rooms. And over time, every student involved with her death and with her beating disappeared. Disappeared? One by one. Just plucked off the face of the earth. No one knows what happens to Whoa. Them. There was just one survivor left from this group that had originally beat her. It was the boy who first hit her with her shoe. And he was scared shitless. Yeah. Because obviously- All his friends. She was coming for yeah. him. Yeah. Yes. So he starts telling everyone. He's like, hey, here's what happened. We murdered her. Like, we killed her. You guys need to believe me. She's coming after me. I, I killed her and she's going to kill me. And so he's confiding this in, in his classmates. He's reminding them several times about what he and the other people who had disappeared had done. But no one is believing him. So he's just there waiting for her. Oh, my God. Ugh. Shitting himself in the dorms. And then one night he could not take the sound. Her, he, couldn't, he couldn't handle hearing the clicking heels approaching yes. and approaching and approaching anymore. So he's like, you know what? The stalking has been too much. It has to come to an end. I'm going to do what I presume the others didn't do, and I'm going to face her. I'm going to go out. I'm going to talk to her spirit, and I'm going to face her. So he decides to be brave, to face Madame Coy's spirit. And so he crept out of his room, into the hallway, and towards the sound. And then the next morning, he was found dead, beaten to death. His body slumped in that very hall. But he was found, whereas so, none of the other ones were ever found. Right. Yeah. I, I have no oh idea why. It makes me wonder, though, like what the difference is between him going into the hallway maybe and facing them and and maybe her – Coming to them. Going into their room. Yeah, coming to them. If there's some sort of right or difference. did they all happen the same way where they like finally had enough and went to go confront her? She did something with her bodies, but since he was the last one, she was like, I'm done now. I don't even have to go cover up his body, you know? Oh, yeah, that's that's a really good point. Probably. Maybe. Because otherwise, how would she have – I mean, I would presume that in times now, if there was a school where students just started to disappear, <laughs> hopefully all the yeah. students would be sent home. You would hope. And they wouldn't continue to function. But I, I understand the the argument, the argument that perhaps – she didn't want to – like you said, like she couldn't cover – she needed to cover it up because to continue she couldn't it. have all of the students just like dead in school be closed yeah. because she needed to find these kids yeah. and enact her revenge. Yeah. Jesus, this is like so, so horrible because it's – It's really dark. Yeah. Both, both, of, of, these. both of our stories are. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Vengeful spirits, man. Who knew? <laughs> And in both of ours, I was really thinking that one of us would come out with an example of a vengeful spirit who, you know, we've done a few where like you you did Zona Heaster Shoe, yeah. who solved her own murder. Like like people who come back with a purpose to like fix how they were wronged right. in the and they're finding <laughs> the people that are the the bad evil perpetrators. But in both cases We pick spirits. It's the evil person yeah. who's still, who's still evil. evil in the afterlife. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, this wasn't uh Super uplifting for an no, episode. <laughs> that's okay, but it's still enjoyable to listen to. Still enjoyable. Okay, so at this point, the boarding school, they're like, fuck, we're in too deep. They shut down the school. They transfer all of the students to new schools. And then these are the students who then go and continue to tell the tale of mm. Madame Koi Koi and what they had survived. So Madame Koi Koi's spirit continues to haunt, expanding to new schools now because now – 
She doesn't have any kids at her original school, and she's being summoned almost like a Bloody Mary style. Oh. Hearing her name being spoken about, hearing herself being talked about, and she goes to these new schools looking for new victims and seeking revenge. She walks the halls at night. Koi, koi, koi. So it's truly opens doors. Anyone who – she can go anywhere if you say her name. Basically. So you could hear her heels I right think she now. can go anywhere. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think I think I think she can truly go anywhere, but it's like part of the legend where it's right. like you don't really want to talk about her because it draws her near. Because you don't want her to know that you're talking about her because she'll get mad and, and come for you. Right. So she definitely does apparently haunt a lot of schools. She walks around at night, she opens doors, she stalks people in the bathroom. So when people think that they're safe because they're just going to school during the day and then they're they're not at a boarding school or no. or they don't live on campus. <gasps> no, she's still in the bathroom. She's she's up at all times. She will sing, she will whistle, she will slap students just out of nowhere, slap them. And it's said that if you actually see her, you likely won't see her whole body. You'll just see one red heel because the other heel had been taken off oh, no. to contribute to oh, her death. No. But if you do end up seeing her entire body, if you make eye contact with her, it said that that's it. You will disappear and there's no coming back from it. So if you see her, look down and run. (laughs) Run away. Run. So, so scary. So there are a few other versions of the spirit. In Ghana, they call her Madam High Heel or Madam Moke. And in Tanzania, she's Miss Konkoko. And there are also similar stories resembling Madame Koi Koi that are found in Arwanda, Cameroon, South Africa, and Zambia. She is the most popular dormitory and school spirit, arguably, in Africa, and probably the most scary. Yeah. <laughs> because she is here to murder you. Ugh. And that is the vengeful ghost, Madame Koi Koi. I, yeah, it's so interesting how they kind of both of our stories have like a Bloody Mary vibe to it where Mm -hmm. it's this legend that is just told, especially throughout childhood and the fear of saying the name. Which is, yeah, it's a scary thing. And I feel like that's why there's so many, the premise of so many really good and classic ghost stories and, and scary movies start with kids because it's like this collective group of children who share these stories. And it's very easy for adults to not believe kids. It's just their imagination. They, I know. They, as a as a friend group, have manifested this thing in their minds, and it's become this big thing. And that, then it's like, you know, the classic trope of, like, the group of kids against the evil as the stupid parents let them essentially die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It also just makes me sad that there are so many spirits out there that hold on to this anger. And also the fact that mm-hmm. both of our spirits were just bad people. I mean, yeah. Elsie Bond, maybe not in the first version of the story, but, like, that they just went the on. The first version didn't. I thought didn't he still? He still did murder but his dad. His dad murdered his like wife or girlfriend. Oh right, right, so, right, like, right. Okay, in yes. that version, I was thinking of the first version as like the the deer. Oh no, that deer, was so yes, murdered. yeah, 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 no, no. yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's it sounds so outlandish, and we talk about them as urban legends because that's how how they've been depicted or, or yeah. how we're reading about them. 
But it's wild to think about while we're saying like, this is so crazy. This is so unfathomable. This is so scary. There are actual like this. This is just a compilation of so many of the real people and monsters that exist in the world. Yeah. Whittled down into an urban legend. But these people do exist. Yeah. These people are out there. Yeah. And it is scary. It comes from some seed of truth. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's reminding me of that fact. What is it that you you pass or interact with seven serial killers in your lifetime? Yeah, and then there's another one about sociopaths, like how many you interact with. It's such a scary yeah. fact. Or maybe it's like two serial killers. I'm trying to remember. It's from the book you you gave me years ago, Serial Killers, Ugh. where the author realized after the fact that he had at least contact with like three or four because he remembers meeting people and then seeing them on the news later and has like evidence of him meeting them. Oh my gosh. I yeah. recently just met a guy who's a forensic psychologist and his job is so fascinating and like the types of people he's encountered is so wild. And it makes me, I don't know, I think in another life I would, I I am a forensic psychologist like out of mind hunter. Oh, yes. You should I wish you took forensic psych at LMU. Oh, me it too. was one of the best classes I've ever taken. Dr. Sheila Foreman, she basically teaches you how to get away with murder. It was so awesome. I freaking loved her. She was also she was great. I mean, it was absolutely fascinating for a class, but I also just respected her a ton because she the first day she's like, "By the way, I'm going through menopause." So I'm not going to stop teaching my class. It's up to you to not get distracted. But there are going to be times where I'm taking my shoes off, taking off my jacket, turning on the fan, putting my hair up, or putting more clothes on. So deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved her. Wait. I want to – part of me wants to like go back to school, just be a forensic psychologist. Forensic psych. Start a new life. There was a moment where where I thought about it when I was considering what to go to grad school yeah. for. I did look at – schools that had the program. But then ultimately, I decided I didn't think it matched with the life that I had intended to live later on. Because to be in forensic psych, or I think at least to be the where I would want to be Mm money-wise for forensic psych, I would basically be tied to a city where murders happen. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't want to. I was like, I want to lit. I want to be able to move wherever yeah, I want and yeah, be yeah, in the fair. middle of a field and mountain with no one within a hundred miles. That's of me. very fair. So yeah, you just want to live so out I'm in the a woods. Podcaster now. <laughs> <laughs> a little different than forensic psychology, but uh, I guess we get to analyze <laughs> ghosts. So uh, yeah, and murderous. Ghosts. I used my IO psych degree for a few years. <laughs> and that was that. Okay, listener stories. I'm pulling it up. I love listener stories. Uh, me too. I mean, I don't think I need to say that. I think it's just I'm everyone does, but I mean, this is why I can't I really look forward to that. Also why we love campfire stories so much because yeah, it's just the best to hear everyone tell us their stories. We hear it live. And also I think one of the perks of campfire stories for us is that, you know, when we have these emails, sometimes we forget what they're about because we've pulled them so long ago into our folder when people send them. But for the most part, one of us is not surprised yes. by the ending because we've read it. Yeah. But with campfire stories, we have no, no idea. idea what's going to be said. Yeah. <laughs> We're hearing it live. live. Yeah. Real reactions. Yes. Okay. Well, I have a story from our listener, Derek, and it is called A Not-So-Little Boy Attached Himself to Me. Hey there, ladies. Longtime listener, first-time writer here. I've always had a tough time finding a paranormal group that makes me feel comfortable enough to speak in, and I'm very happy to say yours is the first. I wanted to share with you the story of a spirit attachment I had endured. While I have always been into the paranormal since a young age, 
I've only become sensitive the past few years. This sensitivity was initially brought on by a spiritual attachment from a spirit named Andy. Many years ago, I worked in a retail complex that was littered with food establishments and clothing stores alike. Amongst this complex, I would regularly visit a Vietnamese restaurant and order the exact same thing every time. And with this order, I would always order an extra spring roll because spring rolls are life and are delicious. This is important later. (laughs) One day, while working, an employee at that Vietnamese restaurant came into my department and was looking around. She saw me immediately, and we got to chatting, and she said, Oh, where is your little brother? I don't see him around. Confused, because I am the little brother myself to two older brothers, I question what she meant. She says, You know, the little brother you always come into the restaurant and get food with? That one that you order the extra spring roll for. At this point- I am starting to get weirded out as I always grab my lunch alone and never have company with me. She then proceeds to retract her statement and we go about our business. Later that day, I found out that she left her phone number at the front cash register and directed it to me and it said on the note, call me if you want to know about your little brother. So I did. After speaking with her on the phone, she told me that she is somewhat of a medium and can see spirits. When she first approached me on the subject, she said this little boy that was coming in with me to the restaurant was so solid and opaque in her eyes that she could have sworn it was another person, unlike the smoky figures that she usually sees. Turns out this spirit was so solid because he had attached himself to me and had been drawing energy off of me for some time. After speaking with her more and a couple of communication sessions, we were able to get more information from the spirit. Turns out this spirit's name was Andy and he was not a little boy at all, but a 28 year old man that had died years before. And he had disguised himself as a little boy in order to easier attach himself to me. And then when we called him out, he showed his true form. Now this is where it gets weird. The reason he came after me. Apparently when he was alive, he was madly in love with a woman and she had lived in another city and frequently visited him by plane. In the last visit, she finally put her foot down saying it was the last time she was coming because she couldn't keep doing the long distance thing and left him. In a fit of rage, Andy had gotten on his motorcycle last minute in hopes to make it to the airport on time and win her back before she left for good. The problem was he never actually made it to the airport because he was hit by a car on the way to the airport and killed instantly. And this car that had hit him was the same make, model, color, and year as the vehicle I had owned at the time. Turns out he had identified my vehicle as the one that had hit him, even though it wasn't, and proceeded to seek revenge on me because he thought I took his life. With his attachment to me, I would constantly get random fits of rage flashes of car crashes in my dreams, or even while I was driving, and I would even lose time some days. This attachment had occurred for three months before my run-in with my medium friend. After another month of communication sessions and reconciling with the spirit, Andy had realized that he was in the wrong and began to separate himself from me. After this, my medium friend began to start the process of helping him cross over in which she helped him reconcile and find the light. Although Andy was ready to cross over, he persisted that he wanted to stick around for a while and help me with everything because he liked my taste in music and thinks we would have been friends in life. Little ways I know he <laughs> was a turnaround. Yeah, very quick. 
Little ways I would know he was around were through the smell of cigarette smoke in my car, and I don't smoke, and no one else was in my car. He would occasionally change my AC to hot or heat to AC for a split second just to let me know he was there and watching over me. Although he is now crossed over and is at rest, I still have the occasional smell or instance from him, and I know that my friend is doing okay. I have lots more stories, but I'll save those for another time. I wanted to share this story and show you that not all malevolent spirits turn out to be all that bad. See you on the other side, Derek. Wow. I love I love the comeback of a, of a vengeful ghost turned just, you know, someone who respects and admires you now and is like, you know what? My bad. My bad. I'll leave. I le- yeah. I mean, which again, this is another story of, wow, so amazing that someone witnessed this and was a medium and was able to help because without – this woman saying, if you want to know more about your little brother, who knows what would have happened? And he may have continued right. to kind of torment him thinking he was the one who killed him and maybe never learn the mistake. The fact, too, that it happened after only three months and the amount of power that this person had already sucked yeah. from Derek is incredible. Like, the medium thought it was an actual person. Yeah. I'm sure she was so confused being like, since when did spirits start getting yeah. so solid? And also just the fact that he was losing time. Like what was happening in those yes. periods? I was just going to say that. It reminds me of Down a Dark Hall. Always mm. go back to that book. I love I read that book. Was, you know, 10 or whatever. Oh, so good. I never read it until you brought it up on the podcast a couple of years ago. And I'm so glad you did because I think about it all the time. It, it's really good. Yeah. I read it in middle school. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's amazing. So good. But Maybe, maybe the spirit, that person was taking over Derek's body in those moments. Yeah. Right? But doing it's, what? Yeah, it's crazy Ugh. how how strong that spirit was already. Yeah. The flashes of memory yeah. and rage. It does make me wonder because, I mean, we read a listener story recently about a spirit who had like gotten caught for doing something really terrible and then taken his own life and then was like, throwing things around the house as a spirit. And I'm, I'm telling this pr- like poorly, but it, it's one of those things that makes me wonder why spirits that have such like vengeful energy are stronger. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Well, and to another piece that's a little confusing is that I think we both assumed, and maybe maybe I won't assume this for you too, but I think I thought that when you, when you cross over, you have the option to learn a lot about yourself yeah. and your life and you have access to answers. But this spirit didn't, and he was just on his own to right. identify his killer and mis- misidentified, misidentified the killer. Yeah, I don't know. You would think that you would know that there was there's some opportunity to say, okay, here's who actually killed me. If you didn't truly find the piece and move on, yeah, you would at least have enough answers to direct your rage where You would hope. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. It is. And I love that Andy, Andy's like now like they're like friends, even though he's passed on. He like comes by and checks in on him a little bit. Right. And listens to his music. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what I do miss about my three months of quarantine <laughs> is your music taste. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Can you share uh, your Spotify playlist with me? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> At least this, is, this story ended uh, well, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have one. It is titled, We Just Don't Go In There, and I Promise He Is Coming. Sounds ominous. Ominous. Hello, Corinne and Sabrina. My name is Corinne, just spelled different. Oh. It's K-O-R-E-N. Oh. So I'm glad you said how to say it because I – Yeah, I would not have said it like yours. people butcher my name, I would have butchered yours. Yeah. 
I've been binge listening to your podcast after a friend of mine told me that if I like MFM, then I would love your podcast. And he was absolutely right. I love listening, but now I'm not only cautious about my surroundings for potential dangers from humans, but I also look over for my I also look over my shoulder for demons and black-eyed kids. <laughs> Welcome to our lives. Yeah. Always on our toes. Seriously. Yeah, you especially because you've experienced some real life horrors recently. Yeah. My family and I have always been quite sensitive. We believe it's a genetic component. Growing up in my family, we owned 10 acres of land and there were three houses that were occupied by the elders in my family. My grandma lived in one of those houses. I always found her house to be such a comfort. Whenever I felt sick, I always wanted to be at my grandma's. There was a feeling there that just made me feel protected. However, there was one part of the house that felt like a force field and it denied me entry. Mind you, this part of the house was closed off by a door and I was told that it was just a hallway that led to another room, but the force field told me, do not come in. Oh my gosh. I always thought it was weird and shrugged it off. It wasn't until later that I realized that I was not the only one in my family that felt that way. Seven of my cousins, my sister, and myself would not dare go in this part of the home. Scary. My family always laughed at us, saying, it's your great-great-grandmother's room. Don't be scared. I heard this over and over for years, but I always knew that there was something missing that they were not telling us. When I was about 20 years old, still unable to get into that part of the house, my family decided to sell the land. It completely broke our hearts, but for financial reasons, they just had to do it. This led us to have a last party on the land, and this is when the full story finally came out about my great-grandma and her mother. (gasps) Oh my gosh. It turns out they were healers. My great-grandma worked in that forbidden part of the house. The story came up because my cousin talked about having a very bad fever that her son had and nothing medical was helping. My great-great-grandma had already passed at the time of the fever, but her daughter, my great-grandma, and favorite person in the world, told my cousin that she needed to take her son to the room. Oh my gosh. Long story short, over the course of events that night, the son had become completely healed and very much healthy the next morning. These are the kinds of things that the mother-daughter team would do. But there were also other things that were done in that room. And these other things were forbidden to be told or talked about. And I will never know exactly what happened back there. I have had some dreams about this room since we were told the stories. And I always dreamed about mirrors covered up with blankets. My great-grandma would appear to me showing up in my reoccurring dreams, and it was like I was three years old again. And she would pick me up, and she would say, oh, mija, my baby, do not touch the mirrors. I would wake up and cry because I missed her and feeling warm and the warmth presence that she had. When it was time for us to pack up the homes, my cousins and I forced ourselves to go through the force field to get to the first (laughs) and final chance that we had to see that part of the house. My mom and older cousins were already in there, and they asked us to help pack things up in this room. Upon entry, I felt a rush of dizziness, and I felt like I was getting deja vu. Then, in front of the window, I saw it. The mirrors, covered in blankets. I started losing my breath, and I ran out of the room. Then I could hear in the back of my mind, Oh, mija, my baby, do not touch the mirrors. We have since moved out and off of the land, and I've never forgotten that feeling. Oh, my God. When I was about 24, one of the older cousins decided to write a book about our family, stories, tales, and legends. And it turns out that one of my family members decided to briefly talk about what happened in that forbidden room. Oh, no. We were told a quick insight, but the ending is what made me cringe. My great-great-grandma helped this family member put an evil spirit into the mirror and cover it up with a blanket. 
to where it would be trapped and to never see the light of day. I was meant to never touch the mirrors and my great grandma warned me not to because she feared the spirit would sense her weakness and that it would try to seek revenge. Oh, (laughs) a part two to my dreams that I will tell you really quick is when I was 22, my ex-boyfriend died in a car crash. Right before it happened, we were hoping to give us another shot one night, but I told him that we would talk about it in the morning and that talk would never happen. Months later, I'd gotten better about not crying every other second that I thought about him. And I thought I was getting better. But then one night, there was a dream. I will never forget this dream. It was so vivid and it felt so real. To set the scene, it was a memory I had of him and I at Walmart. We were looking for a fishing pole for me and we were laughing and joking and just goofing off. Just how it happened when we were dating. Then, out of nowhere, we were outside of the parking lot and things got quiet. He grabbed my hand and it felt exactly like this. He felt cold and then he felt a rush of panic. This can't be real. Then all I could feel were tears. I knew this was a dream and why I could feel these things. And in the middle of my freakout, he told me, I'm sorry. I am so sorry, Corinne. I should have stayed, but I don't know why I left. Please forgive me. Then he smiled. Oh, Oh my gosh. Then he smiled and looked over his shoulder as if he saw something that was not there. And he said, Corinne, I promise he is coming. You've dreamt about him and he is close by. You will be okay. (laughs) Then he was gone. I felt confusion and I was left alone in the parking lot. Or so I thought, oh, Miha, my baby, I promise he's okay. I cried even harder. My favorite person in the world was back in my sight, holding me in her arms (sighs) and then held my face. Stop. He will be okay, but he is right. I have to go. Then, like any other dream, I woke up, but there were watermarks on the pillow like I had been crying in my sleep. I never knew for five years what my ex meant by he is coming. There was indeed a boy I would dream of, but I never quite saw his face. But I knew deep down that he was somewhat brown haired, had blue eyes, and I could tell this boy was going to be a big part of my life. But in every dream, I would run to see him, but I would wake up before I saw his full face. After the passing of my ex-boyfriend, dating was always a problem. No one seemed to work out for me or would want to stay. Until here, recently, there was this boy that had somewhat brown hair and blue eyes and came into my life. The vibe he brought felt different, and yet it felt so familiar. This amazing person is now my boyfriend and the person that I had dreams about for years. my gosh. He's no longer in my dreams. He's here in real life. (laughs) I have, however, not told him about those dreams just yet. <laughs> oh, my God, Grant, You were reading this off. <laughs> you, you better now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, the strange theory I have is that my ex-boyfriend somewhere in the afterlife was getting rid of the other guys that I was dating because my now boyfriend is who he's not only approved of, but the one that I've been dreaming about for most oh. of my life. I would like to believe that my great-grandma approves of him, too, since she agreed with my ex that he is coming. Sorry that this is long. Thank you. I hope you get to see the ones you love on the other side. Thank you, Corinne. Wow. Okay, Corinne, this ended beautifully. This was a beautiful that, – that second story is so incredible. And I am also curious if, Corinne, listener Corinne, if your boyfriend had dreams of you, too. Right. That's what I'm really interested to hear. Because he probably – there. 
maybe he did and he can't pinpoint yeah. it. But I wonder if she was like, do you ever get the feelings of familiar, fami- f- whoa, familiarity? Right. Like maybe he doesn't remember how he knew her or where he saw her, but just felt this connection. Draw connection. to each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, Corinne's grandmother yeah. and the like healing and the energy that's coming from that room. I know. The, the fact that the grandmother was able to heal, was it the cousin in the afterlife? Like yes. from the afterlife. Yeah, it was it was yeah, so the great great grandma or, or great grandma basically one of her grandmas and the grandma's mom like great yeah. great worked essentially together I think when they were alive and so when the other one had passed they like still had the energy oh to work together to to heal his cousin. It's so incredible. I wonder and if also I mean I know that this wasn't like a full revenge yeah. story but I liked I liked ending on a little bit of a happier yes. note and the fact that there was an opportunity for a spirit who wanted to seek revenge, but that they trapped, they it, trapped in the it in the mirror. From the afterlife, still gave warning to make sure that he would never yeah. – that this demon would never be let loose. I, I'm also curious if Corinne or anyone else in her family have gone into the healing business because it does seem like mm. they're almost like witches. Like they they have this power. Right. Yeah, I was going to say it seems so natural. It doesn't seem like it necessarily has to be something learned. Yeah. It's just like the sh- – it's very practical magic. Like yes. I'm picturing I'm picturing that. Ugh. All of them together yes. drinking midnight margaritas, just doing their stuff in their room. The best. I love it. I love it so much. Wow. Another great fun episode – and mm-hmm. maybe a little dark, but the listener stories were fun. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little dark, but hey. But hey. We ended on this one and it was beautiful. Yes, that was beautiful. If you guys have stories of eventual ghosts or if you intend to be a vengeful ghost, let us know why. And email us any story, these stories. <laughs> we love them all, you know. So send it all to us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. And also come join us on Spotify Live, uh, Campfire Stories, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, every Tuesday. And you can share your stories with us there. If you don't get a chance to there, email us. If you want to, yeah, there's so many ways to share your stories with us. So many. And we also have Patreon. Our Patreon's so fun. We've been posting so much. And we go live every month for certain tiers. We've got uh, bonus episodes. We have ringtones. We have really fun things on our Patreon. So we're super excited. So if you you join – our next live for the Only Phantoms tier is going to be June 19th. So you've got some time to yeah, join us. Join us. Join the triangle. That's also important. Join the triangle. Um, and watch us on the YouTube. The triangle. Watch us on YouTube. Buy some merch. All that fun stuff. And thank you so much yeah. to Aiden Manning and Eric Foster and the entire team at Upfire Digital for editing our podcast, our audio, and our video. We're so grateful. And thank you to all of you for uh, listening and being here. And we will see you, see you on, on the, the other, other side. side.